Hello and welcome to the Oxford Policy Podcast. I'm your host, Annalisa Escobar from Guatemala. As a fellow Latin American, this episode is very dear to our shared context. Today, we have with us former President Ivan Duque, who recently left office from his government from 2018 to 2022. He is currently a transformational leader fellow at the Bavlatnik School of Government here at Oxford. And as a master public policy student, I've had a chance to meet him since our, our recent arrival in September. In this episode today, um, I seek to understand more about his reflections coming out of office after serving a country during and after the global pandemic, as well as his challenges advancing a policy agenda in the recuperation period. So let's dive in. So welcome, Mr. President. It's a pleasure having you here at the Pavlatnik School of Government. Well, thank you so much, Annalise. It's a great honor for me to, to be here in this podcast. So today we're going to have a short conversation and I want to hear more about your reflections coming out of office mainly after serving your country during a global pandemic um, and facing main challenges of advancing policy in the ground as a president. And it's a very big honor to have you here. So, Well, thank you so much, Annalise. I, I have to say that uh, maybe during my term in office, I had to manage the most... Uh, complex time in recent history, not only because I had to face a pandemic during 30 months out of a 40 months uh, term, but I also had to face uh, the decline of values in democracy where you see oppositions being very violent and you see the expansion of post-truth and uh, daily attacks. I had to manage the toughest migration crisis in a Latin American country for the first time, a hurricane category five, putting in place an economic recovery and having also to deal with the, with the day-to-day problems of a country like Colombia. But I think at the end of the day, we, we were very much keen in, in advancing in our development plan. And, and we can say that our economy grew more than 10.7% in 2021, more than 8% in 2022, which demonstrated that we had a, one of the strongest economic recoveries around the world, but we're also able to be ranked in the Bloomberg Index of uh, Pandemic Resiliency as number one in Latin America and number two in the Western Hemisphere after Canada. So yes, we were able to navigate many complexities and we were able to leave the strongest social safety net Colombia has ever seen in its history. And we made a lot of progress on multiple fronts. So I, I feel honored that we dealt with the complexities, we dealt with the crisis, but I think we left the country in a much better shape. This sets the, the floor perfectly for my initial question. So can you provide us some, some of this comparison of how you found the country compared to how you left it in, in terms of satisfaction with the public and, and what challenges you faced? I, I, I think the concept of you can't evaluate a government just on, just on polls and specifically in times of of pandemic because um, I think the stubbornness and violence of some of the opposition movements in Latin America, they were really eager in trying to demolish many of the policies. But I think what, what is eloquent is the data and the evidence. So just to give you an idea, we passed in Colombia from barely 4 million uh, households that were beneficiaries of social programs and we took it almost to 11 million. 
And, and in we, that sense, sorry, sorry to interrupt. Um, now that you mentioned the opposition, how was navigating to build that coalition necessary so that you could advance your project? We created a strong coalition and we had a strong coalition and we were able to pass very important reforms. We passed not only tax reforms, we passed telecom reforms, we passed tourism reforms, industrial reforms, we passed a climate action bill, we, we passed a also uh, bills to enhance and promote uh, rural development. We modernize many of our legislation to fight specific crimes. So yes, we, we passed a, a very important amount of reforms and we did it with a vast majority. And, and we were also able, and that's also very important, to um, construct in the country more than 5,000 new kilometers of roads, including the, the finishing of many of the four generation highway projects in Colombia and putting forward the five generation highway programs or concessions for the country. But what is also interesting is that we were able to duplicate the amount of, of children that go to school into what I call the single journey of eight hours. We build more than 255 uh, new schools and we were able to build more than 12,000 new uh, in school rooms so that we provide a better service for the population and also on the healthcare system. It's, it's very interesting to say that when we not only closed more than 11 um, insurance that we're not doing a good job, we basically moved 8 million people to new provi providers of the service, but we were able to leave Colombia as, as a country with one of the strongest healthcare systems in Latin America. So all, all that is evidence, and we published a book before the end of my term called Esconechos, which means it's, it's with facts that we speak. And I think our facts are eloquent, uh, eloquent enough so that people can do any comparison and evaluate that we not only navigated the strongest storm we've seen in economic and social terms in recent history, but that the way we navigated left Colombia in a stronger position, and maybe that's why Colombia is still considered one of the safest places to invest worldwide. And and in that sense, um, of all the projects you've mentioned, is there any pinpoint agenda that you would have liked to advance more? I know you had some challenges, yeah, yeah, especially in the tax reform yeah, area. Well, I mean, I I have the, um, the 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 honor of saying that I fulfilled almost ninety percent of the government plan that I presented to Colombia. But when we evaluate our national development plan, we had a, a level of achievement of more than 85%, which makes our national development plan the plan with the highest level of achievement in the last 40 years in Colombia. Because on average, it was 80%. We were above 85%. I think that's that's a demonstration that, that we had a very focused uh, public administration drive. And, and that made us uh, achieve many of the indicators that we presented as the, the most important results that we, we wanted to bring the Colombian people. Is there still something that you say you would have done differently to advance something in a bigger scale? Or There's always things that, you know, every single day when I see things happening in other places and I just make my own evaluation, I say, well, maybe I could have done this, I could have done that. Maybe I, I could have accelerated this or that. Um, but I, you know, at the end, that, that helps you to have an academic evaluation of yourself and maybe a, a, a historical reflection of, of things. But I, I feel very calm and I feel very proud of the things that we achieve considering the circumstances. 
No other president in Colombian history had to deal with a pandemic of this magnitude. No other president in Colombian history has to, had to deal with such a migration crisis. No other president had to deal with a hurricane category five. And no other president had to deal with such a, a, a circumstances of a, or maybe recession that we suffered in 2020. So I feel happy about what we did, and I feel very happy about my team, and I feel very happy about working hard with true passion for policy, but most importantly for the people. For the people, and in and in that sense, another of the main characteristics of of your time in office is that you inherited uh, a recently signed peace agreement um, with the Colombian Armed Forces. Um, FARC, and, and, and in that sense, could you can you share a little bit, little bit more of context on how did you find that process when you, I mean, you've been outspoken previously in the in the, in the yes or we, no campaign. We inherited that a process that was signed in 2016 when I assumed office 20 months have passed since the time, the, the time of the, of the um, signing of the accord. And um, I think it was uh, in a very embryonic stage. And it was also in a very fragile stage. But we were able to put together policies not only to strengthen those things that ought to be strengthened, but also we introduced reforms in Congress in order to prevent negative consequences, maybe not in that particular uh, process, but for future process, including that today, narco-trafficking and kidnapping are no longer considered connect crimes with political crimes, so they can be granted with amnesty. So I think that was an important reform. But we left the country with the largest amount of rural titles ever granted by an administration. We were able to leave 99.6% uh, of all the former combatants with access to Social Security. We were also able to introduce 70% of what the country has today in the land bank. We were able to increase the investment in tertiary roads. We were able also to work with rural communities in um, increasing their capacity to commercialize their products. And that's why we reached the highest level of agricultural exports ever reached by Colombia. So all those things makes us feel happy. And I believe that, yes, obviously things could have been much better when you make evaluations, but I think we were able to succeed in in during the, the, the complexities that we face. And uh, when we had the visit of Antonio Guterres, the Secretary General of the UN, for the five-year anniversary of the signing uh, of the peace accord, he basically said, Colombia is a reference model for the world. And the Ombudsman of Colombia made a very important report before the end of my administration last year. And he said, what has been done by the Duque administration in peace implementing is even stronger than what was done by his predecessor. And I think that's so eloquent enough to make us feel proud of the things we did. And, and in that sense, looking forward, what are the main challenges you see for the implementation of the process? How do you see that Colombian people absorbing it? The, the implementation is a long-term process. I inherited a puzzle of uh, 5,000 pieces without having a figure. So imagine doing a 5,000-piece puzzle without knowing what the figure is. I think today we not only have a figure, but we have advanced in the way the puzzle is configured and is you know, put together. And um, during uh, my administration, we had the first six years or five years and a half 
of implementation. And now we expect to have at least 10 more years. So it's going to be three more administrations that will have to deal with this. And I think the plan that we left is, is well-crafted, is uh, people-oriented, is uh, social justice-oriented. So I hope it continues because what, in, in my opinion, should not happen is that we have the Adanist perspective of the new administrations that want to start everything from scratch because if you take that road, you might not get anything done. Yeah, and it's all part of the political game, right? When, Especially when there's an opposition party that comes into power and, and wanting to erase everything that's done because it's under it's the claim that it's done. It's very easy to criticize from the opposition. It's very easy to demonize. It's very easy to argumentatively try to destroy what the other has done. But once you're in office, you have to realize how things are so complex and that you have to govern for everybody because that's why you're a symbol of national unity. So sometimes you end up, uh, as we say it in a colloquial way, you end up eating all the poison that you tried to send uh, to your contenders. That's why when I was a senator and I was in the opposition, I always called myself as a senator of proposition, which means that instead of just attacking or saying what you don't like, you will always have to propose what you would like for the country. And I was very respectful on my contenders. I was very respectful of the opposition. I never used any single personal attack. I was all about arguments. But now when I see so the brutality of the attacks that were used in the past, and when you see now the, the, the difficult to deliver of many of the promises that were made to, in order to win the election, well, that gives you the lesson that in politics... You only have to promise what you're really able to achieve. If you don't do it, you have a lot of deception. And on that point, um, could you expand a little bit on that importance on a president not only making a good and sound policy decisions, propositions, but also looking after the mood and the social climate? Climate. You've been very outspoken It's about the role of media. difficult because we live in a we live in a in a world where democracy is in decline. Where, where polarization is uh, it's being uh, promoted as uh, as an efficient uh, political tool uh, was never my case, but I had to live with it and I had to struggle with it and I have to uh, I, I learned from it. So we live in times where polarization is king and we need to defeat that sentiment. And the best way to do it is to govern based on evidence. And, uh, and don't be afraid of not having too much popularity because making the right decision sometimes is deeply unpopular. So you have to do it, and you have to do it with, with, with honor. You have to do it with perseverance. But what matters the most is really to be able to deliver to the people. And in that way, and also, again, looking forward um, to how you see, how do you visualize Colombia in, for the next administration? What's your perspective and on... I wish, I wish, I wish President Petro the best, you know. I, I want Would him to... Would you give to, him any advice? Uh, when, when you have a successor, it's not good to give advices <laughs> unless you're called to. Uh, but every time that I met him or that I had the possibility to speak with him, as I have been always in my political career, I have been constructive and I've highlighted the things that I consider are important for the country. I really want him to succeed because I think his success will be important for Colombia. 
But that success can only happen if you are not heavily ideologized because heavy ideologization in government only creates more polarization. It deepens the social divide and it deepens the sentiment of, of uh, confrontational politics, which is not necessarily what our democracies need right now. How would you how would you promote more social cohesion now that you are seeing Colombia from the outside outside from office? You you can't produce social cohesion without fast and sustainable economic growth. We were able to pass in Congress a couple of tax reforms that reduce the level of taxation of corporations, increasing the investment, the hiring of new people and the creation of a better social safety net. I think recently what we have seen in Colombia is that the fiscal reform that was approved by Congress was so much against the private private investment that this year the economic growth of the country is going to pass from 8% to barely 1%, if not less. So I think the lesson is you really want to create a better social safety net, you want to create better opportunities, There, there's no way you can achieve it without fast and sustainable economic growth. And that fast and sustainable economic growth begins by having a pro-business administration. And how can you how can you promote those systems that, as, as you have mentioned in other occasions, in other uh, public spaces, that they are highly evaluated by economists on the importance of creating that social safety net and that you need to increase taxes on the base? A lot of people today discuss about how to be more redistributive in terms of taxation policy. And I think there's a, a wrong premise, which is you have to tax corporations and then you have to tax the upcoming middle class. I think what we have to do in Latin America is expand the base. There's there's no way we're going to be better in terms of social justice if we don't expand the taxing base. In a country like mine, only 5% pay of the people pay income tax. So you need to expand the base. And now you need to expand the base in order to have more collection. But with that collection, be able to make a, a faster investment in the social safety net, education, health, electricity, water. You mentioned you, 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 you have to be today very much concentrated in having pro-business policies that ensure that your economy will grow, that you will have the tax collections, And then the best way to redistribute is to have a more focalized social policy. And and in that sense, how do you promote that social commitment from the people without bringing in a lot of social unrest that it's hard the, to the, understand? The, what, was a, what was stupid in the way some of the opposition behaved in Colombia, the tax reform that we presented in 2021 was not just aimed at increasing collections. It also expanded the benefits of the social safety net. And none of the things that we presented would have been enjoyed by me. They were really setting a better uh, environment for the future. And what happens is that logic and uh, data-based assessments and um, evidence from a technical standpoint moves in a mule while post-truth and attacks from opposition moves at the speed of light. So it makes things more difficult for, for presidents and, and governments 
in Latin America and the whole world. So I had to withdraw the, the reform that I presented in 2021, but I presented another one, and we were able to pass it by with a strong majority, with the support from the governors, from the private sector. And I think that demonstrates that when there is political willingness, and sometimes people are willing to sacrifice some of the benefits in favor of society, I think that's more efficient than just trying to, to go and, and seek for rents of taking people their savings and then try to redistribute on taking away the savings of people. I just believe that that's a, a wrong and failed uh, taxing policy. It has been the ideal playbook for populists in Latin America and demagogues. But I think that the pedagogues who have been the government that are pro-business, pro-growth, and that have enhanced the policies to provide more foreign direct investment for the industrial sector, they have proven to be more, quite more successful in terms of economic growth and the benefits that they, they can irrigate to the people. Well, this sums up uh, a lot of your main political lessons and personal satisfactions on your time in office. Now, to start closing up the conversation, um, what can we expect of you on this post-presidential process? You're, you're a I, TLF I, fellow now. I have a good friend who is 92 years old. He was president of the IDB, an amazing figure called Enrique Iglesias. And I remember when he had his birthday, he was. I called him and he was giving a conference here and there. And he said, in order to remain young, you have to have more projects than rememberings. So I'm working on my memoirs. I'm doing analysis of my administration. I'm trying to protect always my, my legacy, but I'm now focused on new projects. So I'm a TLF in Oxford. I work also with the Woodrow Wilson Center in Washington. I'm a professor at FIU. I serve in multiple uh, boards of directors from different organizations, but I'm also uh, consulting with institutions that are working on sustainability. So this is my new stage. I'm working also in, in a couple of books for, for the next two to three years. But um, more importantly, I'm back in academia and I'm sharing not only the lessons I, I took from the government, but I'm also working now in creating a foundation in Colombia that is going to be launched by the end of March and is going to, call, it's going to be called uh, I plus D, Innovation for Development, Innovación para el Desarrollo, which is going to be a nonpartisan think-and-do tank where we want to bring academics and people to reflect about the challenges of our time and to prepare data-driven solutions that can improve the way of living of people. Well, Mr. Duque, we'll be following up on your projects, definitely. And muchas gracias eh, por estar aquí. Eh, it's been a pleasure hosting you. And I hope you have a great time for the rest of your week in Oxford. Um, To our audience, remember to follow us on social media. You can find us on Instagram at Oxford Policy Pod and on Twitter as Oxford Policy Pod. So thank you, Mr. Person, for joining us today. Well, thank you so much, Annalise. Y muchas gracias. Innovación para la democracia, innovación para el desarrollo. Those are the things in, in which we will be working. So I'm delighted that many of the Latin American students like you would also uh, be part of that process because we definitely want to have free thinking and ideas that can improve the, the way of living to our communities. Thank you. Till next time. Thank you. <laughs>